You know what? Give it up for Minka. And when I say that, I mean really give it up. Like back up the Brinks truck in front of the Fitzpatrick household. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Minka Fitzpatrick is going to get paid this summer, whether it happens later today, later this week, or on the charter flight to the preseason game in Charlotte. And we've seen that happen in years past as well. He's going to get paid. That, to me, has been an underlying assumption throughout all of the Steelers' various and, in some cases, glorious signings this free agency season. But none of them will come close to costing as much as Minka will. That concept you can take to the bank the same way he'll take all this money to the bank. Jamal Adams is the answer to the trivia question you're about to ask. He's the highest paid safety in the NFL. Remember when the Seahawks made that Big splash getting him away uh, from the Jets. The escape from East Rutherford, New Jersey. That was a four-year deal worth $70 million that had $38 million in guarantees, including a $21 million signing bonus. There's no reason for Minka at age 25, and bluntly speaking here, being a better fit for the modern NFL than Adams is. Adams is still, to this day, more of a throwback type, a Ryan Clark type who's waiting on the big hit to really clock somebody. Uh, That's what Mike Mitchell was as well, And although Mitchell wasn't nearly as proficient in terms of uh, center field play and deep coverage. Minka is a better player than that. Minka is a younger player than that. The Steelers are going to have this player who already has, to his credit, two all-pro designations, two Pro Bowl picks. And what I might like best about Minka in the broader sense is that he's so cerebral. This, This dude, and I can tell you this from the many conversations that we've had, he is someone who impresses you within the first three or four words that he speaks, whether it's about football or anything else, in addition to the composure that he brings. And when I think of Minka on the football field, more than anything else, I think of composure. I think of someone who's not running around like a headless chicken, who has some kind of thoughtful process that he goes through on every sequence. Doesn't mean he's perfect. Doesn't mean we won't remember only the screw-ups. That's the nature of that position. But it does mean that in addition to his athletic ability, he's eminently capable of taking charge of the secondary. Lest I remind anyone what happened against the Chargers out in L.A. when he wasn't there to line up everybody properly on that painful winning touchdown. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. How much is enough? How much is too much? That's not really my thing. I don't consider myself somebody who picks apart contracts and uh, looks at other bars and other precedents. I'll just look at Adams's contract and say that the richest deal in league history involving a safety will be the one that this team here in Pittsburgh and this player will sign. And I'll go a step further and suggest that one of the things that I'll appreciate about that the most when it happens, not if, but when, is that this management team will have demonstrated enough respect for this player to look past his having only two interceptions for the year. Particularly early on, if you'll recall, A good number of people were critical. I was among them. In waiting and waiting and waiting for Minka to have that takeaway impact, everything we'd seen from him before that, even upon his immediate arrival to the Steelers in 2019 for that road game out in Santa Clara, he was just all over the football. It was like it was following him around. He looked like magic. You know, I mean, everywhere he went, there was the ball. Well, the nature of takeaways in general in football is that they do involve X amount of luck. They just do. If you're Ed Reed and the ball follows you around your whole career, it's a little bit of a different animal. You do have to have an ability to sniff out those types of plays, to put yourself into a position to grab those balls that carry them off somebody and go up, kind of like what we saw from Akella Witherspoon later last season. Minka didn't have that kind of luck, and he did end up with just those two picks. But, but, what I like about the trust and respect that appears to be mutual, again, between this team and this player, is that the team can look at the fact that he had 124 tackles. And the team knows what they asked him and Terrell Edmonds, his partner at safety, to do because their inside linebackers couldn't tackle anybody. They had Minka and T.E. closer to the line of scrimmage than you've ever seen Minka in his time in Pittsburgh. You had him, really, I can say parenthetically here, in kind of a similar position to what Brian Flores had him in in Miami that eventually got Minka to ask to get out of there. But that was the circumstance. That was what the team needed. That was what the coaches asked. He didn't come close to complaining. He didn't come close to making any excuses, even though it was a contract year. And he knew that every pick would theoretically raise, oh, I don't know, $5 million, $10 million, 
whatever the case would be, depending on who it is that's the arbiter. In this case, in this case, it's Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin. And they understand what it was that he did, what it was that he gave up, and the takeaways are not just something that you can say, hey, I'm a great player, so I'm going to have takeaways. It's not like T.J. Watt and Sachs. It's just not. Lots of things have to happen, not least of which is, you know, stopping the run. So Tomlin and Keith Butler at one point in the season just said, we got to pull every stop out. And this actually not was at one point. It was one specific point. It was after the debacle in Minneapolis that they said, this is what we got to do. All hands on deck. No exceptions. TJ, you too. Everybody in here. Stop the run. We will never let some other Dalvin Cook embarrass us like that. And now, after that, and after what was really a pretty good overall season, Minka's going to get paid, and he's going to have earned it. And the Steelers' defense will be that much stronger, not just for 2022, but for years to come. That is a big, bright positive in an offseason where it doesn't feel like everyone is comfortable acknowledging positives. When we come back, just one question. of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar on the North Shore. That is directly opposite Federal Street from PNC Park. Can't miss it if you're headed to a game on the North Shore, but you won't want to miss it as it's Pittsburgh's premier destination for craft beer. At Mike's, they've got 80 rotating taps of local craft beer. You heard me right, 80. They've got 500-plus great craft bottles and cans, 350-plus of which are local. And today, Takeout Tuesday, you can get two six-packs for the price of one. Check out Mike's Beer Bar on Federal Street right across from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Antonio Jackson, who asks, if this revamped line can mesh and learn to work together this offseason, how good do you think they could be? And do you think the Steelers have done enough to address the room? Antonio, you don't specify offensive line or defensive line, but there's no way when you're talking about meshing, you're always talking about the O-line, right? Like No one ever says the defensive line needs to mesh. Maybe they do in their room. Maybe Carl Dunbar talks about it. But in common football discussion, it's always the O-line that needs to mesh. Do I think they can mesh? Sure, anybody can. The guys they had last year, to some extent, could have meshed. They didn't. They were a disaster, individually and collectively. To the extreme that it's hard to know who was good and who was bad. Because let's remember that the offensive line coach was essentially chased out of that room late in the season. So somebody, specifically the head coach, 
clearly saw something amiss with the way that they were being instructed, the way they were being schemed up. So is that the player's fault? Is that Adrian Clem's fault? Is it somewhere in the middle, which it usually is? Yeah, probably. But what you have right now in front of you is a setting in which the Steelers have improved three of the five offensive line positions, all three of them being on the interior, by adding James Daniels, by adding Mason Cole, and by now having enough center options that they can spare us watching Kendrick Green try to play center again. So Green most likely can scooch over to left guard and even then not likely have a job because he'll be competing with Kevin Dotson, who even as disappointing as Dotson was, he should be able to beat out Green because he's a lot bigger and stronger, especially when it comes to run blocking. Did they do enough between that and the coaching change and everything else? I mean, I'm not sure how much more you could have or would have asked. Let's be real here, too. You weren't about to switch out all five. You do have some younger players that the team probably fairly believes in. Chooks, a Korofor, happens to be one of those. I'm a Chooks guy. I will admit this. I saw Chooks as somebody who just flat out wasn't getting beaten. And you can say that in terms of not giving up sacks. That, again, is a tough one to to gauge with these guys because Ben Roethlisberger was getting rid of the ball as soon as he got it. It was almost like he was padding the ball backward. It was so fast that it'd be out of his hand. But Chooks has a lot of pluses going for him, not least of which is that he's still just 25 years old. Dan Moore over on the left side seemed to get better as the season went on. And what I liked most about Dan's game was that he rose up to the tougher challenges that he'd face. And now as I say it like that, you're probably thinking of some of them going against Miles Garrett and other guys where he would just, I don't want to say he shut them down, but he played reasonably good NFL-level left tackle for a rookie, never mind a fourth-round draft pick of a rookie. So what you'll end up with in all likelihood are the same tackles a year older, ideally a year wiser and better coached, and you'll have three, I guess, new interior linemen, depending on how the Dotson thing shakes out versus green. But can they mesh? Can they gel? I mean, you know, we're going to start getting into those stories whenever they show up in Latrobe and begin identifying which of the five offensive linemen is going to have people over for the every Thursday night dinner and so forth, like Marquise Pouncey used to do. But there will be plenty enough time to get into that then. I like what they've done with the offensive line. The only negative thing I have to say about it is, man, they needed to do at least half of that last year, right? I appreciate the question, Antonio. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will do another one tomorrow.